<laughs> Hello and welcome to Misfits on Vinyl. My name is Spencer Stryker. I'm an actor, comedian, and one of your hosts. My name is Aaron, and I'm also one of your hosts. My name is Aaron, and I'm an actor, and I am wearing a cardigan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is my grandpa cardigan. Ooh. It's from the Navy of the Old. The Navy of the Old. <laughs> yeah, did you I, fart? I did not. Oh, no, I that thought, was the chair squeaking. Oh, I heard some squeaking and some cracking. It was actually Sam. It was Sam farting Sam. again. Sam again. Literally, again. every episode, he's got a rip ass, honestly. Uh, I, I, I've I gotten used to his fart smells. Yeah. yeah they smell like my own. Remember that time that you took a really gnarly poop? Yeah. Holy fuck. Because <laughs> right after I took a gnarly mm. poop, because like, it was like, I took a gnarly shit, and then I ran downstairs to get Aaron. Sam was shitting at the same time, then... Then Sam comes out of the bathroom, and holy fuck, our entire apartment just stunk. The old Hiroshima Napusaki effect. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. yeah, in your house. How uh, do you feel about that? You know what? Uh, not that bad. But I was going to say, we're like Regis Philman, and he's like Kelly Ripass. Ah. 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 We spiked. He's mad. <laughs> we spiked. We're like Opie and Fartney over there. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) Anthony Fartkins. (laughs) In silence but deadly. (laughs) Silence of the yams. (laughs) Yeah, before you rip it out. Dude, it's that ass-sucking thing we were talking about Aaron doing in the play. Yeah. Coming up. Coming up. Um, Yeah, it'll be in two weeks from now. Yeah, Sam has gas. Sam has gas. Sam has gas. It comes out his ass. Comes out his ass. Sam has gas. It comes out his ass. Sam has ass. It comes out his gas. Flatulence. I want to fart like an eagle. Into the sea. (laughs) Fart like an eagle. Sam's my butthole's talking to me. Sam's gonna fart. Sam's gonna fart (laughs) into the future. (laughs) Farts keep on slipping, slipping, slipping from the tech man. (laughs) I can feel it coming from my bum tonight. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) I remember. I remember. Don't worry. During the doohickeys, (laughs) Sam farted. (laughs) And he ripped it. And it echoed it. It echoed it. it, 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 it. (laughs) But I didn't blame him because I knew the reason was he ate too much beans. And kielbasa sausage makes him weak in the knees. Weak in the knees, weak in the knees. Oh, I can feel him farting in the room tonight. Oh, Lord. It smells like grandpa after three days of rigor morts. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Sheesh. Uh, what a start to the episode. Can you tell we're doing a double record? Yeah. Uh, we're a little fried. Um, this will be a fun episode. I don't want no scrubs. A scrub is the thing that comes from Sam Sam's bum. <laughs> <laughs> it gets us real high. It does. <laughs> the passenger side. <laughs> of his, well, he rides in my car. So. That's true. Of Aaron's ride. 
Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> We're all about the remixes today. We're all about the remixes. Yeah, this is going to be a fun episode. It's going to be a fun episode. Uh, okay, so if you made it this far, yes. um, <laughs> please tell us what album you would like us to Yes, review. our little call to action we keep forgetting to we do. We keep forgetting to do this. Uh, Sam gives us a little wiener smack with a ruler mm-hmm. when we don't do it, so we need to do it. Yes. So we don't get smacked with a weenie mm-hmm. on the weenie. Sam, Sam, the yeah. That's when Sam Sam the yeah, data Sam, man. Yeah, Sam Sam the out. data man. He's like fucking he's like analyzing graphs. It's really incredible. Um Sam actually went to MIT. It's true. Yeah. Uh it's the uh <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> I he has the most important testicle out of all four of us. I was I, I was four gonna us, I was gonna us. say something really dark, but I was like, no, the, the it wasn't even it wouldn't have even made sense. And then I was like, no, this isn't fucking making sense. And mm. then I stopped, and then I explained it because it's way funnier when you explain when you. It's almost... actually MIT st- MIT stands for most intense toots. Most intense toots. <laughs> <laughs> he did go to MIT. The most intense toots. That's true. Yeah. And you know what? Speaking of toots, mm. I'm going on tutor. Yes, you're going on tutor. Tutor. Uh, I'm going on tour. Uh, Invermere, Swift Current, Medicine Hat, Kelowna, Victoria, Port Alberni, Campbell River, Courtney, Nanaimo. Come on out. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, my hour is going well. We're having coffee because I'm not drinking right now. Yeah, we've uh, gone. We've gone sober. We've gone sober. Um, life sucks now. It's been what four four hours. We've been so- sober. Well, I've been sober for a week now. Nice. Um, I actually started sobriety on February twenty seventh. I haven't had a drink. Wait, what? Yeah. Wow! Congratulations! Um, amazing! Fucking congrats yeah. to Sam Sam the Tech Man. I have. Still been consuming alcohol, but I've stopped smoking the. What weeks. about that time that we were at cabin and we were testing? Those don't count. <laughs> Those do not count. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I got my dates wrong. <laughs> That's okay. I've, I've also I've also never listened to six nine. That so uh, everybody tells a lie every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm also, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just deflecting. Let's be honest here, everyone. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. The king of deflections. King of deflections. They call me Brendan Schaub. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, okay. All right. So I would have gone. Speaking of people that should stay sober. Ah. Uh, yeah. yeah, but you know what? I really don't think you should. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of people that should stay away from Bobby Lee. Uh, uh, rip. Rip. Yeah, rip Bobby. Poor Bobby. Poor Bobby. I like Bobby. Yeah, he's okay. Bobby's good. Yeah. He's a good egg. He's a good egg. He's a good egg. Um, we have a <laughs> new segment. We have a new segment. Um, which has been new now. This is episode three. three. And we have a very special new theme song for it. Yeah. We do, actually. We have a theme song. <laughs> nope, this is this is the theme song. So this is this is uh Sam's Today in Music History. Sam Sam the Tech Man's Today in Music History, okay? He's got the capo out. He's got the capo. capo out because this is going to be really good, okay? Nice. Yeah. That's our theme. That's the theme for today's <laughs> in music history. I don't think Sam liked that. You're not cutting that. That is, I will, I will hold the guitar all episode and play it if you don't. Cut, I, uh, if you cut that, I think it would be really funny if Sam 
leaves it in where you walk down with the guitar. You're like, this is the theme. And then he immediately cuts it. And then, I will be so irate. I hope you... he does. Um, you bozos. Okay. So on March 29th, 1980, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon spent its 303rd week on the U.S. album chart, beating the record set by Carole King's 1971 number one album, Tapestry. The album remained on the U.S. Billboard charts for 741 discontinuous weeks from 1973 to 1988, longer than any album in history. After moving to the Billboard Top Pop catalog chart, the album notched up a further 759 weeks Sheesh. and had reached a total of over... 1,500 weeks on the combined charts by May 2006. Wow. Um, what date is this for? March 29th. March 29th. Okay, good. That's impressive. I did say that. Oh, did you? Yeah, I, did. I missed it. It's okay. I was uh, so entranced by your incredible guitar playing. That's just... fair. I understand. <laughs> Speaking of guitar playing, 1982, Arthur's Theme, The Best You Can Do, sung by Christopher Cross, wins Ooh. the Academy Award for Best Original Song. Fuck yeah. Notice why I brought out the guitar? Yeah. Call back. Call back. Call back. Call back to the other Christopher Cross episode. Okay. 1966, Rolling Stone Mick Jagger was injured during a gig in Marseille's southern France. Marseille. Marseille. uh, After a fan threw a chair at the stage, Uh, he required eight stitches in the cut. Uh, In 2007, UK singer Bono Mm. accepted an honorary knighthood at a ceremony in Dublin. I have a cor- correction there. He's not a UK singer. That would piss off a lot of Irish people. U2 singer. Oh, I thought you said UK. I did say UK. Yeah, I was going to say that would piss off a lot. It does say U2 singer. Yeah, okay. I was like, that would piss off a lot. He's definitely from Dublin. Uh, Isn't that, w- that in England? No. <laughs> you're, you're really like going to alienate all of our potential Irish listeners. Yeah, but who cares about the Welsh? <laughs> Northern Ireland's in the UK. The Republic of Ireland has a very aggressive history with the the British. That's true. They yeah. they like you know attacked them for no reason. They were like bombing them and stuff. They have some drinks named after some events. Yeah, yeah. The, the Irish car bombs. Yeah, they got a little angry. Um, I wonder why. It's they not got a like, little fire. You know, if I could tell you one thing throughout history as a historical ex- expert, the British were always the good guys. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Just Keep, ask the indigenous people, yeah, the, uh, uh, India, Hong Kong, Ireland. Yeah, I was going to say the French, Irish. Yeah. Uh, uh, Africa. So much of Africa. Yeah. Uh, uh, South America. Mm, I don't know if they had much... Besides the Faroe Islands, I don't know where they're if they were fucking around much. Down no, there. but I'm 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 adding that into it. Okay, uh, we got Spain. Spain fucked South. Yeah, America. Spain fucked South America. Yeah, but the English have fucked enough places where you know. Yeah, we still keep <laughs> we still pay homage to them in our country. I yeah, which is very weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say this: if I ever met Bono, I would ask him what it's like living in the UK. Nice. <laughs> It's okay. I, I'm not really going to die on the hill for Bono because Bono's a fucking tool. Yeah. Uh, but and, and I would like to see him be like, oh, no, oh, no. Yeah. He'd get all fucking mad <laughs> sing at me. Yeah, it's a good idea. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. Oh, no, oh, no. I don't live in Middlesbrough. I live in Dublin. Can't you see? It's me. Okay. In 2005, 
Neil Young was treated for a brain aneurysm at a hospital in New York. Doctors expected the 59-year-old to make a full recovery. The aneurysm was discovered when Young's vision became blurred after the induction ceremony for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last month. Wow. Mm. That's crazy. Uh, that it also fucking wild that uh, like brain aneurysms scare me so much more than anything else. Yeah, we're due for some Neil Young. Uh, I think we're due to yeah yeah we yeah. can uh, pull them up on Spotify and yeah. have a listen. We'll yeah. we'll have a listen on the Spotify. Yeah, on the old Spotify because a lot of his songs are still on. Yeah, there. but you are correct. Brain aneurysms. <laughs> yeah, they are, are incredibly scary. Yeah. Um, in 1986, the Beatles records are officially licensed for sale in the Soviet Union. Nice. Soviet Russia. Nice. Hello. <laughs> I'm from Russia. Nice. Um, that's uh, that's cool. I didn't think they came that late. That, uh... I was actually, I forgot to add it in, but there was like a Beatles black market in Russia. Really? Because of this. And like most people who wanted to listen to the Beatles could not afford it. Really? The records were like... I guess at the time, like, thousands of dollars. Hmm. Wow. That's interesting. That's thousands super of cool. Rubles. Rubles. Thousands <laughs> of Rubles. Yeah. Yeah. The Rupal. <laughs> Rupal Drag Race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was actually pretty funny. Good. Bravo. 2001, Brian Wilson was honored in three-hour tribute at New York's Radio City Music Hall. Nice. Guest performances included Billy Joel. Paul Simon, the Goo Goos, and the trio of Carly Simon, David Crosby, and Jimmy Webb. Nice. You know who probably wasn't there? The other Beach Boys. Uh, actually, also singing Beach Boys songs were uh, Anne and Nancy Wilson, okay. Elton John, and Amy Mann. Brian Wilson himself joined in the fun when he took the stage for the final three songs, Barbara Ann, Surfing USA, and Fun, Fun, Fun. Nice. No other Beach Boys. Yeah, I was going to say, they they have a bit of a strained relationship. But they don't have a strained relationship with John Stamos. Mm. He tours with them. Really? He actually does, yeah. Interesting. Um, he, he became friends with them before Full House when he was on a soap opera. And then he started jamming with them and stuff. And then that's why they kept coming on Full House in, in all these episodes uh, was because he was friends with them. And so, like, uh, they would come on and do whatever songs and whatever. And then after Full House, he started touring with the Beach Boys. Hmm, that's interesting. That's like a, like a, like a good John collab. Yeah. Because I know John Mayer collabs with the Grateful Dead, so that's a nice little... Uh, Johns are getting out there with John's getting out very there. famous bands of the 60s and 70s. All right. In 1975, Led Zeppelin saw all six of their albums in the top U.S. 100 top chart. It, top... In the U.S. Top 100 <laughs> chart in the same week. Nice. Uh, the first band in history to see this happen. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, favorite Led Zeppelin album, I'd say two. Four. Four. Nice. Uh, 2015, 72-year-old Norman Greenbaum, who wrote and sang the 1969 hit Spirit in the Sky, was critically injured when the car he was riding in turned left, crossing into a path of oncoming of an oncoming motorcycle. The 20-year-old motorcyclist was killed, and his passenger was severely injured. After a lengthy recovery, Greenbaum returned to the stage in Santa Rosa, California on November 15th, 2015. I hope that when he started that concert, he said, this one goes out to the spirit I put in the sky. Yeah, I hope so, too. I was going to say he really took the, the song to heart. Took the song to yeah. heart. Going up to the spirit in the sky. 
It's where I'm gonna go when you die. When you die, <laughs> if you're riding a motorcycle, better and I hit you with my car. But um, but um. Anyways, uh, 1795, Ludwig van Beethoven mm. has his debut performance as a pianist in Vienna at the age of 24. Shit. You know what's crazy? Remember when we were talking about Mozart? Yeah. Now we're talking about Beethoven. Nice. But not the dog. I was gonna say, I was like, whoa, the dog lived all the way from he played se- piano. <laughs> 17, 1700s yeah. all the way to He was already twenty four then. The nineteen nineties. In dog years, that's like eighty five. Shit. That's fucking wild. Not only was he a great pianist, he was really good <laughs> good at other things. Yeah. Yeah. Like like drooling. And volleyball. No, that's Airbud. I was getting them confused too. Beethoven is just like a giant dog that fucking drools everywhere. Oh right, yeah. yeah Airbud, Saint Bernard, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Airbud is the one that's good at sports. Yeah, right. But my favorite spinoff of that. Why whole... is that not? Oh, okay. Actually, I have to fucking. Do you want to talk about MVP, most <laughs> no, valuable primate? I, I have. I have a different thing. <laughs> I I convinced someone one time. Yeah. That I was a child actor. Mm. And that when I was five years old, I starred in a movie called Barksketball <laughs> with Jason Bateman playing my father. Nice. And I created some fake images for it. <laughs> and I had, uh, I sent them the poster and everything. And uh, then the more I thought about it, I was like, this actually would be a phenomenally <laughs> stupid movie. And I should try and see if I can make this. Okay, that's that's a good one. Now I have a really niche fucking movie that's a terrible one, uh, like The Adventures of Food Boy. You mm. know about this? Do you ever heard about this movie? Um, Sarah actually turned me on to it, but it's a like the guy that plays Ryan from High School Musical, like Sharpay's brother. Yeah, he's a he's a kid in high school and he has superpowers, but his superpowers is like just food comes out of his hands. <laughs> yeah, he can solve world hunger. Yeah. The trailer is incredible. I know this meme. It's the bread meme. Yeah. So he's like, oh, shit. he's in the bathroom and he's like bawling his eyes out and he can't stop shooting bread out of his hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's curled up in the bathroom and he's like, <gasps> and just like fucking pieces of bread keep coming out of his hands. Wow. Yeah. It's a fucking great watch. One of those ones you can't be missed. I was actually going to, I'm going to ask you to put that on Plex. Uh, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah's been itching for a rewatch. Wow. Yeah. So uh, the adventures of food. It's called the adventures of food boy, right? Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. The, I'm going to check that out. I think it's like, like it's not, I don't think it's Disney, but it's like a, like he was on Disney. Like this is around the time he was doing high school musical. Yeah. It was great. That's so funny. It's a really good watch. Okay. So. It's a Netflix movie. 2008. Before they were streaming, this was a Netflix made movie that they sent. This to. is this is the Netflix original. Wow! Yeah, so That's 2008 Netflix crazy. original. Yeah. Okay, so releases in in on March 29th. Okay, 2019, Billie Eilish released her debut studio album, "When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go?" Mm. To the spirit and sky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a special one, Super Tramp released their sixth LP, Breakfast in America, in 1979. Cool. Which I have that one. Nice. We may even do that sometime. Yeah, I we like should, Super Tramp. We should do that one. That one, I would say, is probably their best album. Nice. Uh, also, I've had both my parents were like, you should review that one on the podcast. And I was like, I have it. They're like, we know. I'm like, okay, cool. Our first request. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, it was my parents, though. So yeah, really it still count counts. That. Yeah. I like your parents. Yeah, they're cool. They're they're all right, folks. I've only met your mom the one time, I think, and 
Maybe twice. I think I met your mom twice. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've only met Leon. Yeah, I've only met yeah. Leon. Yeah. And Liam. Yeah, you met my brother. Yeah, I yeah. met your brother. Nice. I have not met your mother. No, it's okay. I have met your sister. Yeah, you met my sister yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, cuz uh we all went out for drinks that one time. Yeah, after, after our play. Uh, yeah, after the uh, weird uh, fucking play that we did. Yeah, that that's a fever dream. Conglomeration of a bunch of short fucking stories that yeah. high schoolers wrote that had no ending. No. There was one where it was I'm not kidding. Aaron and I just improvised it because we couldn't fucking learn it because it was so bad. And then we would just laugh our asses off every single night uh, we broke character. Yeah. Ah, oh, fuck, man. I can't. It was about. Yeah, that story was incredible. It was like I was a cab driver and you fucking. Uh, yeah. And like, there was there was the, the one line at the ending. I don't remember it. I'd have to see. I might still have the fucking PDF of yeah. the scripts. But there was one line at the end and we couldn't say it with a we straight face. We could not yeah. get it through it because it was it was a stupid pun. Yeah. And it just made me laugh so hard. Also, I had to do Russian impression. Whole, yeah, that's whole, where you learned it. Okay, that's, that, that, that's that why that thing. felt. That's why that felt familiar to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, sorry, I've, sir. I didn't mean to crash cab when you were in. I, I, I've erased seat. that. I've erased that from my memory because I remember the one time we came out on stage and absolutely nobody was there. Oh God! There was yep. one person sitting in the front row, and that was it. You know what? I love that though. And there so was like funny. 40, 50 chairs <laughs> and empty theater in a bo- in a basement of a church. <laughs> I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and the one the one we had like I don't know, we did like seven shows or whatever, and the one night we came out there was absolutely nothing there. And I remember the one time we were like running our lines and we got stupid baked and we were trying to run our lines. Yeah. That yeah. did not work. No, it didn't work well at all. We just fucked around. <laughs> okay. In two thousand five, Weezer releases Beverly Hills, the lead singer from their make believe album. That was the mm. very first Weezer song I ever heard. Mm. Uh I also uh uh, would dig that song for quite a few years, and then I found better Weezer songs. Yeah, um, Island in the Sun. Yeah, yep, yep, yeah, yeah. I like Buddy Holly more, and I like some other earlier stuff. I, so I have slaps. great memories of uh, Sam Sam the Tech Man and I uh, cruising around in like September of 2019, listening to uh, 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 like a Weezer. I think it was like a best fucking hits album, and like we were just like. There's we pulled out at one place. We were like pulling out onto like 14th and it was our right of way to turn on. Mm -hmm. And this lady was like had her signal on like she was going to turn off on the street that we were turning off Mm -hmm. from. And then she just blew through and almost fucking smoked us. And she rolls down her window and she's like, what the fuck? And she's just fucking losing it. So I rolled down my window. I'm like, you're the fucking idiot who can't drive. And then her eyes went like this big. And she was like, and she just fucking <laughs> lost it. We, we were laughing so hard. We were laughing and pointing at her. And she was like losing her <laughs> shit, dude. It's some old lady. That's, fucking... a, that's a super villain. Oh, dude. Yeah. The origin story right there. That was right super there. Karen right there. Yeah. Dude, like it, 100% she was an ask for your manager type lady. Speaking of Weezer... One album we should look at because it's had like a weird history um, and it's kind of aged better than it was first received is Pinkerton. Ooh. Yeah. Which Ooh. is uh, which is weird because it's like <laughs> Rivers Cuomo being his really awkward self. Like like he's just like fangirling over Japanese girls. And there's some creepy shit. There's some really, really? Cre- Yeah, but it originally like it's aged well now. It's got a cult status. But when it first came out, it was like critically panned, like really bad. Weezer broke up for... Yeah. We'll do it on the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. But that's a really little interesting Weezer thing I'd love to talk about sometime. All right. And the last release. Yes. 
2007, Umbrella by Rihanna featuring Jay-Z was released in the U.S. The track went to reach number one in various countries, including the U.S., number one in the U.K. for 10 consecutive weeks, making it the longest-running number one single since Wet, Wet, Wet's Love Is All Around in 1994. Shit. That fucking song does slap. It slaps. And and also the longest-running number one by a female artist since Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. Shit, eh? That's pretty good. That I, pretty I actually good. do like a good chunk of Rihanna's music. She picks who she collaborates with very, very, very and well. You know what? Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people were giving her shit for the Super Bowl performance. I actually kind of dug it. I dug it too. I, I think, thought it was cool. I personally think with the Super Bowl, you know, less is more. Yeah, hundred percent. If you get yeah. up, if you get up there and sing, and you have some good dancers, you don't need to do all the fucking foo foo shit that fucking Katy Perry was doing. Yeah, I think less is more. Her and then like uh, Dre's. The, mm-hmm. Like in uh, in 2022, Dre's was great because that was like that was awesome. Beyonce's are really good. Beyonce's uh, is good. I, I liked what Lady Gaga did. Lady Gaga's fun. Yeah, when she fucking just like swan dived off the top of the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's so weird. I thought the weekends was okay, um, but yeah, no, I think the less is more with the less Super Bowl. is definitely more. Like Prince's Nothing. is less is more. <laughs> Nothing screams patriotism more than Rihanna's halftime performance because it's a. <laughs> They made a woman of color work while pregnant. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's too good. Too good. Too good. The hashtag. Number. Hashtag two. The number. The number. Yeah. Hashtag I like number how you two. Did that backwards. Yeah, so that the people can see it. <laughs> I thought it was because you were dyslexic. No, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, nice. uh, all right. So every episode on Misfits on Vinyl. <laughs> yes. Misfits on Vinyl. On vinyl. On vinyl. Vinyl, vinyl, vinyl. We. We review an album. It'll sometimes be uh, one of our favorites. It'll sometimes be a popular album. It'll sometimes have that crossover. This week, it's one that I really like, but you really don't like. It's okay, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, This one's an interesting one because it's uh, a one-hit wonder band. It, it's a one-hit wonder band in North America. In North America. Okay. In North America. I did... To pre- preface, I have not read the episode notes. I The ones I write, I have like my weird spidey senses go yeah. off and I just remember what the fuck I wrote. I have no idea what's coming. Dude, this I one... Lis- I listened to the album. Um, I dug some of it, um, but it's a real shorty. Yeah. And it's a real interesting one. It's very short, and I'm interested, though, because there was three different versions of or four different versions of the album, so I'm actually interested which one you listened to. Mm. Because the one that I have, so I'll just introduce the album first. It is Baltimore's Living in the Background, which was their debut album Mm -hmm. in 1985. Now, what's interesting about this, so Siobhan's mom gave me this album when we first started dating uh, because she knew that I was a fan of 80s music. Mm -hmm. She got it from a radio station who uh they were doing like giveaways in uh like uh, at like one of these like festival market yeah. type things and they were just giving out the album. So, you'll notice a hole punch in here. Now, this is something that we haven't talked about yet, but either what would happen with the hole punch is record labels would send out the records to re- uh like radio stations, right? Mm-hmm. And they would hole punch it and it would that was so that they would know it's only for the radio station, right? But they would also do that for giveaways at the radio station, and it was so that the radio stations wouldn't resell it because they couldn't because everybody knew, like, oh, that's from the fucking radio. Like, yeah. I'm not buying that, right? The other thing that they would do is when an album wasn't 
uh, like if it if say a record store bought a shit ton of albums mm-hmm. and then they had to send them back, they would either punch a hole in or slit on the top corner, mm. like make a cut in it. Interesting. So that it was shown that it was uh, it wasn't sold. Uh, and then it would get resold somewhere else. Like they would, the mm. the uh, wholesaler would distribute it to like uh, record stores at a, a lower rate. So that's that's the one thing that I think is really cool about this album, specifically this whole punch in the corner because it's from a radio station giveaway. Interesting. I have one question. When you play this, how fucking scratchy is Tarzan Boy? Not at all. Okay, it's clear. It's super fucking so clear. My brother got an original copy of uh, Zeppelin Four. And, um, he tried to listen to Stairway to Heaven and it was like played to shit. Really? It, it wouldn't even play. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So someone was just listening to fucking Stairway to Heaven over and over and over yeah, and over this again. Yeah, this one, uh, because she had got it, like it was one of the ones that the radio station was doing like giveaways yeah. with. They were just handing these out. Like she, mm-hmm. and, and it was new at the time too. Yeah. It was part of like, it was part of EMI's basically, we want to get more people to listen to this album. Sort yeah. Of thing, Interesting. Right? Um, okay, so this album de- uh, is the debut album of Italian music project Baltimore. Uh, it was released uh, in the U.S. in April of 1985, and then in, uh, sep- on September 4th of the same year, it was released in Europe. Uh, it was recorded and released through a- uh, EMI Records. It's an Italio disco slash 80s new wave uh, uh, record. Uh, Maurizio Bassi... Uh, who is like the the lead of the group, uh, produced and arranged the entire album as well as playing keyboard and piano. Jimmy McShane, who is on the cover, mm-hmm. performed lead vocals, but only possibly because there's a rumor going around that it was actually uh, Mauricio Bassi who did all of the vocals and Jimmy McShane because he was a really good dancer and performer was lip syncing uh, in all their music videos. So like a Millie Vanilli sort like of Millie deal. Like a Millie Vanilli sort mm, of deal. Or like a Troy, we're, we're talking high school musical, like Troy Bolton. And like fucking, Troy Bolton. Like Zac Efron. Interesting. Yeah. So I was uh, going to say Jimmy McShane is the least Italian name of all time. He's from Ireland. I, okay, yeah. I was going to say, I was like, well, Jimmy McShane. <laughs> it's a name of Jimmy McShane. Yeah, no, he's, uh, <laughs> he's from Britain. Okay, good. Yeah. Britain. Britain. Yeah, we're going back to this. Ireland. Nice. Nice. <laughs> continue. Continue. Uh, okay, so Maurizio and Naomi Hackett co-wrote all the songs. Uh, wonder if she's related to Jack Hackett, our friend in the Doohickeys. Could be. Shout out to Jack Hackett and the Doohickeys. Uh, okay, so Maurizio and, and Naomi Hackett co-wrote all the songs. Hackett also wrote many songs for the Italian pop star Anna Oxa. And later co-wrote Nasty Girl for Destiny's Child with Beyonce, Anthony Dett, and Bassey. Fuck yeah. Uh, th- Anthony, uh, okay, so uh, Bassey actually helped co-write all of that album Interesting. with Destiny's Child. Interesting. So he's kind of got, he's got a weird finger behind the scenes fingerprint yeah. on music, even though there he's a one hit one yeah yeah he's okay. he's one of those people that it was like it, the, the stars just kind of aligned for this group at this moment in time which is something similar to like in modern music like i i know she makes a lot of really good pop albums but like carly ray jepson mm-hmm. is also considered like a one hit wonder but she writes a lot of music as well yeah music, for yeah. other artists so similar sort of vibe that's cool yeah um, mixing engineer uh, Jorgen Coopers, who I'm assuming is Norwegian yeah. or Swedish or or Finnish, D- uh, Danish, 
or Danish. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, also okay. So the yeah, he was the mixing engineer, and he was super prolific for his time. Uh, he worked a lot with Donna Summers, and also with uh, Stevie Woods. Nice. Uh, so super cool because like very different styles. Mm-hmm. Like Donna Summers, you know, more disco and yeah. uh, Stevie Woods yacht rock yeah. in the fucking truest sense of the term. Um, and the saxophone on this album was done by uh, Claudio Pascoli, who worked on a ton of albums, including Robert Palmer's Don't Explain, uh, which had UB40 on all of the backing vocals. Nice. Uh, I thought that that was just a really cool fun fact. That's a little nice fun fact, definitely. Okay, so about the artists here. Uh, not much is documented about Maurizio Bassi other than he had released two solo singles uh in both uh, 1974 with Welcome to Costa Smeralda and in 1981 with Dutito Un Pop. Uh, Jimmy McShane, on the other hand, was born in Derry, Northern Ireland, hired as a stage dancer and backing singer. Uh, he soon went on tour in Europe with Dee Dee Jackson and her band. Uh, during a visit to Italy with the band, he was attracted to the country's underground dance scene, which led to him settling in Milan in 1984. Interesting. In early 1984, Bassey and McShane met each other, and McShane at the time was working as a medical uh, technician EMT for the Red Cross in Northern Ireland. And they decided to form a band fronted by McShane since he was a trained actor and dancer. Uh, and he had tried to previously get into like the West End scene, mm. uh, theater scene. So Bassi recruited uh, prominent Italian session musicians to record their first album, such as Giorgio Cavoli on guitar and Gabriel Lilli uh, Milato on drums. Uh, fellow Italio disco producer Tom Hooker has claimed that Baltimore's lead vocals were performed by Mauricio, as he had done with Carrara, and McShane sometimes provided the backing vocals. Mm. So it's kind of like a lot of people in the industry are saying that, like, he McShane was not actually singing on any interesting. That's a weird little thing that they, they did. I don't know why they wouldn't like just have the other people sing. I mean, McShane looks like somebody who would have been an eighties pop star though. It's true. Yeah. He does have the look. He does have the look. Uh, got the look, the, the bulk of Baltimore's songwriting fell on bossy and American lyricist, Naomi Hackett. Uh, after the success of Tarzan boy living in the background became a pretty big, uh, cultural hit. Uh, all across the world. Uh, the second single... Oh, wait. Uh, Baltimore performed on American TV show Solid Gold in 1986 with help further their success in America. And their second single, Boogie, uh, Woody Boogie, uh, also gained notable success entering the top 20 in Germany, Switzerland, and Sweden. So what's really interesting is this was very popular in Europe. Yeah. Popular in Canada. And in the U.S., it was like, yeah. mm interesting because yeah they still play tarzan boy on the radio fairly often yeah um and it is a like i don't know it kind of falls into like there's that weird like 80s category of one hit wonders that are kind of themed yeah it fits really well into that category a hundred percent yeah like what like there's like mr roboto uh weird science or whatever yeah 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 Yeah. oingo boingo Boingo Boingo. yeah Yeah. it kind of that weird niche 80s thing. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's super fucking weird. So their second album, Survivor in Love, was released selectively in 1987 in Italy, Germany, the UK, Japan, and Mexico. 
Uh, McShane actually wrote the lyrics to the track Survivor in Love on their second album. That was the only one that he had a songwriting credit Interesting. on. Um, the album was later re-released in 2003 on CD to all the countries that it wasn't originally, including the U.S. and Canada, uh, due to the current dance pop rise in those years, as well as for Baltimore fans who had not received the original LP in their home countries. Now, the reason that the album was not released in certain countries in 87 was because of poor sales of the singles outside of Tarzan Boy. Mm. So, basically, EMI Records was like, this is all going to be hits, this whole album is going to be hits. We're going to release every single song as a yeah. single and see what works. And obviously that's not how music works. And we kind of no. know that. Um, but they got really, uh, they got really greedy because of the success of Tarzan boy. They decided let's release fucking everything as a single. Nothing else really did. Well, the album had already been sold a fuck ton. So mm. like who's going to go and buy the single when they already have the album. Yeah. Right? So, they kind of got shafted by the record company in that mm. regard. Um, now, uh, when Baltimore's second single or second album, Survivor in Love, and the single Kiki Karimba failed to chart, uh, they lost label support, and Bassey decided to disband the band. Now, uh, Jimmy McShane was diagnosed with AIDS in Milan in 1994, and a few months later, he returned to Northern Ireland to spend his final year and die in his native Derry on March 29th, 1995, at the age of 37. Shit, eh? Guess what day this episode's coming out on. That day? March 29th. Shit. So that's another this year that's in music a, history. Wow, that's a cool little tie-in. Not a cool little tie-in. No, but like... Uh, that's a interesting uh, little coincidence there. Um, that's, um, you know, and you were... I guess I, I have to preface you are correct. He is... British. Yeah. He's from the UK. He is from the UK. He is from the UK. He's from Northern Ireland. Um, That's a shame that he died. It sucks. Yeah. And a family spokesperson issued the following statement after his death. He faced his illness with courage and died with great dignity. Uh, In the center of Derry, a commemorative plaque was bestowed upon the grave of McShane and his father, who had died three years prior. Mm. Uh, Now, Bassey has since then made no singles or contributions to the music industry apart from that uh, Destiny's Child album. However, both of his sons are active in the music industry. Ooh, interesting. Uh, I could not find where they were active, though. It was really hard to find anything about them. Yeah. But what's really interesting about this album, okay, and this is where I, I'm interested as to what version you listened to. Mm-hmm. So the OG release, the one that was released in the UK, or, uh, in the UK and the US – and Italy had uh, Tarzan Boy, Pull the Wires, Living in the Background, Woody Boogie, uh, Chinese Restaurant, and the last song was Running uh, Running from Love. Mm-hmm. Now, the Canadian release included the single Jukebox Boy, and the release in the rest of Europe had a different uh, single on it. And then in 1993, when they did a remaster, they also included Survivors in Love. Okay, so I was listening to the version that you mentioned. Tarzan Boy, Pull the Wires, Living in the Background, Woody Boogie, Chinese Restaurant, and Running for Your Love. Okay. So the same cover, all that sort of stuff. I was listening to the one on Spotify. Because they all had the same cover. That was the other thing. Okay, interesting. So uh, what I think is interesting, though, is that... uh, Like, Siobhan's mom got this one from a radio station... 
what I think is really funny about it is she got it from a radio station in Calgary, mm. and yet it's the American and UK version. That is strange. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, okay, notable tracks uh, on the album. Uh, I had put Jukebox Boy because it was a Canadian exclusive yeah. release. But Tarzan Boy was number 13 on the Billboard Hot 100, and it was number one in Belgium, Finland, France, Netherlands, and Spain, and number two in Austria, Ireland, and Sweden. It was certified gold in Canada, France, and Spain, silver in the UK, and the song is used by AEW wrestler Jungle Boy, who's the tag team world champion, and featured in the movies Beverly Hills Ninja, The Ninja Turtles 3, nice. and uh, the TV show The Goldbergs. Um, Pull the Wire, which I would say is my personal favorite mm-hmm. song on the album, uh, uh, which takes a very drastic, different approach from the first song, where, you know, Tarzan Boy is, like, very drum-heavy and, like, yeah. fucking, you know, uh, this choral chant and everything. And Pull the Wires is is a slow, uh, sort of mid-'80s, uh, like, almost ballad uh, sort of song, mm-hmm. right? It's got the, the heavy saxophone in it. Yeah. Um, Chinese restaurant got a really interesting flute section in it, uh, which I, I thought was really cool. <laughs> it, it, it is a little that threw me off. Yeah. Yeah. Living in the background and Woody Boogie, I would say, are very similar songs in yeah. their in their tempo. And it's interesting that they uh, side one ends with living in the background. Side two starts with Woody, Woody Boogie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both have that like uh, almost again, that sort of bringing up a chant almost yeah and then uh i'm i'm only mentioning it because there's only six fucking songs on the record but running from your love is a fucking awful song okay i'm glad we can agree on that yeah i didn't enjoy that track very much i mean i do really like tarzan boy yeah i can agree with you on pulling the wires um it's probably in my opinion it's the second best track on the album but for me the rest of them are kind of yeah, they're kind of mid for me, and you know, like I kind of, uh, I kind of think like, because for me, I would rank it like Tarzan Boy, Pull the Wires, Chinese Restaurant, uh, Living in the Background, mm-hmm. and then uh, Woody Boogie, and Whoa. then yeah, I don't even want to fucking say the song again because it's so bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay, so reception of this album. Uh, Music Week gave it three out of three stars. Nice. Uh, Discogs, it, which is you know user generated, yeah. it's sitting at three point three three out of five. All Music gave it four out of five. Hmm. Uh, Albumoftheyear.org gave it f- fifty out of a hundred. Nice. Uh, but it peaked at number forty nine on the U.S. Billboard two hundred, number eighteen on the Swedish album charts, and twenty six on the U.K. charts, and it was certified gold in Canada. Um. Criticisms. Yeah. Uh, I think that... Okay, and this is this is my personal opinion on this. I think that the album is well-rounded in that they can... They get to try a couple of different fucking uh, ranges and, mm-hmm. and styles and tones and everything. Like, there's, there's different... Uh, the songs do feel different. The only thing that I would say is that I don't really think that anything stands out as much as Tarzan Boy or Pull the Wires. Okay, I was that was a question I was just about to ask. Like, do you think that Tarzan Boy blowing up the way it did, like, did the band a disservice? I think it did. Yeah. I think that if this album had been... Okay, let me put it like this. I think if this album had been, like, uh, 
if that single hadn't been as well received and like maybe it charted like i think yeah. that i think that if all of the like if they had a few songs that charted but weren't like it wasn't just like tarzan boy is fucking everywhere in yeah. 1985 i think that their next album would have been better received and it, i mean it didn't really have a chance to be received no. because it wasn't released in a in a wide way right no. um so i think that that is true that they they were done a done a disservice by the popularity of Tarzan Boy. And I mean, in all honesty, I didn't even know the name of the fucking band that sang Tarzan Boy. I just knew the song. Yeah, yeah. That's, they still play it on the radio. When you messaged in the chat, like, oh, let's do Baltimore, I literally was like, what is that? <laughs> That's what I responded with. I was like, well, what is that? And then I had to Google quick, and I was like, oh, yeah, Tarzan Boy. Um, it's like, okay, we'll do that then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very interesting. I mean, I thought there are other stuff like I'm, I'm not going to be too overly critical. I mean, it's a very short album. Yeah. Um, it's certainly, you know, I'm not going to say it could be shorter. Um, it's six tracks, but I think it, uh, but I think they could have had different tracks. I mean, yeah, I think Tar- Tarzan boy stands out in a really good way. And I think the other stuff just kind of falls into the large catalog of, Okay, 80s yeah. synth pop, trying to emulate other bands, trying to be, yeah. you know, playing with the trends. Like the same way now. This that- is that calculated pop that we were talking about yep. before, yep. you know, and that's why it's an Italian music project and not a band. Yeah. You know, so there's, uh, you know, there's something about that track, Tarzan Boy, that's endeared to people, you know, 45 years later, whatever yeah. it is, right? 40 years later, that, you know, people still love that song. But I think overall, as a whole, it's really not. You know, what is it, 30, I guess it'd be 36 years later now, or 30? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, so, you know, 36 years later, that track. 38 years 38 later. years later, yeah. that track is, you know, very, very popular. Um, still played on, like, all the radio stations, yeah. all the 80s. You'll, you'll hear Tarzan Boy at least two or three times a week. So there's something about that track specifically they captured, um, you know, something in that. I can't, I can't really say I put my finger on what it is, but they were unable to do that on any of the other tracks. I find all yeah. the other tracks are pretty non-memorable. I, I will agree with you a little bit that Pulling the Wires is yeah. is a good song. Which I'm actually surprised that that one was not released as a single. Yeah. Because that they, they released uh, Woody Boogie and Living in the Background, mm-hmm. which, I, I mean, they're good songs, but they're not, like... Pull the Wires is such a strong single. Yeah, I think it would have... I think maybe the marketing let them down a little bit, too. Yeah. And it's weird, too, like all this weird stuff about who's singing, who's not singing. I'm sure that played a little bit into... Oh, the, yeah. Like when they... Like, you you know, bands at that time, you'd be touring, you'd be doing all that sort of stuff. It's weird that that was going on. And the, they weren't really a touring band. Yeah, that's weird. Know? That's like, weird. They had that one on appearance on television. Yeah. And then they had a bunch of music videos, and they sold a fuck ton of records. No, so, I mean, I've seen the music video <clears throat> for Tarzan Boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's a weird little thing that, that happened with them. I mean, poor marketing. It sounds like they didn't have a good relationship with their record oh, company. awful relationship. Yeah, but um, it's funny because the only reason that they had a relationship was because of uh, Mauricio Bassi, mm-hmm. you know, other than him, it would like without him, none of this would have happened. Yeah. But I would, I, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to be too critical because I do think it's better than Steve Winwood's talking back to the night. Yeah. You think so? I think that it's better. I, I would say like, it's a little more distinct. This is the same problem we have with that album is like, uh, you know, one track is stand out yeah. historical. I mean, same thing with like, it's a little different with the MGMT stuff, but MGMT, you know, three tracks that really defined an era. This track is, you know, if you look at a list of 80 songs, top 80 songs, I'm sure it would be on oh, the yeah, top. It's, top, it's on a fuck ton of the top uh, 100 yeah. list and whatnot. Yeah. And I mean, same with Valerie from Steve Winwood. Yeah. But the rest of the album is 
you know, shit compared to, yeah. you know, their big track. And, and I wouldn't even say, like, necessarily, like, shit, but not... Like, nobody knows what the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I guarantee you, if you put Pull the Wires on and asked anybody, like, who do you think this is? Yeah. They'd say something fucking stupid. They'd be like Richard Marks. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it would be it would be something like that. Which, also, it does kind of sound like a Richard Marks. A little bit, yeah. Uh, I will say that. A little bit. But, yeah, no, I, I, I'm going to try to, like, because I think there is some value in the one track. And, like I said, the, the fact that it's short, I think, helps it yeah. in, the, in, in our rating system. Just because there's a lot less other things to take away from the main track. There's a lot less to consider, I think, yeah, yeah. Which, which makes it easier. So let's get into the rating of the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, so every week we review on, uh, out of 10, we rate mm-hmm. on technical, musical, lyrics, album art, reception, and does it hold up. Uh, technical, I mean, this one's kind of, it's interesting because the people that were involved with it knew what they were doing, yeah. and so it, it sounds clear and like honest to god when i was playing the record it sounded better than when like if i was playing it through spotify you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it 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 really was made for its era and and it and it is crisp and clear um but it's also like how many fucking instruments do you need yeah you know like they, go, how... they, they do add a lot of fucking rando shit and i there. will say the saxophone is one of the best parts of this album mm-hmm. but it's i think uh the only track where it really is beneficial is pull the wires mm-hmm. everywhere else. It's just fucking there. So a little, like they had a little bit too much going on. I can agree with that yeah. too. Um, especially on the latter half of the album. I think there's a little too much happening. Yeah. I'd give it like, I would honestly say like maybe six out of 10. Yeah. I, I would go like a five and a half, five and a half. Yeah. So we're at 5.75 musical. I mean, Musically, like the instruments that are not electronic on mm-hmm. this are are done really well, and I think like there's a lot of talent to be said for the you know the session musicians that have fucking done a lot. Like a lot of them were were on like I was looking through all of their like, yeah. discogs, and it's like you know every big Italian pop star mm-hmm. of the time had these guys in the in in, in the, the studio in the studio. Yeah, so it's like. There's something to be said for that, and there is something to be said for the arrangement that uh, that Bossy did with this, mm-hmm. where I think that, like, you know, some songs like Pull the Wire and Tarzan Boy, it works really well. Other songs, not so much, you know? Uh, I'd probably give it a 5 out of 10. Yeah, I'm I'm not far off. Like, I was thinking same thing, 5, 5.5. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it's not. Uh, I think when they do it right, it's really good. Like, you know, they did a really good job on th- those two tracks you mentioned. Um, I think it's, you know, I think the synth on it is pretty fucking killer, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it's uh, really well done. So I think a five is a fair rating on that. Yeah. Uh, right lyrics. down the middle. Lyrics. <laughs> lyrics is an interesting one because uh, this is an album that has a lot of repetition mm-hmm. in a lot of the songs um, that I, I don't know. Like, it, it's almost like they took the formula of, like, okay, what does the song have? It has a verse, a chorus, a verse, a chorus, a chorus. Mm. And, you know, like, that, that that plays all the way through the entire album. Yeah. You can, and, and like, I'm looking at it right now on the back of the record, and it's, like, uh, the, even even the song that I would say is my favorite, Pull the Wires, like, it's, like, feel my heart awake each time I call your name. Oh, darling, I can't help it. I'm walking on the moon. Like, it's not bad, but it's mm-hmm. pretty fucking generic for the the time, you know? Yeah. Um. So I would, 
I'd probably go, I'd go like a six out of 10 on that. Mm. I do like the line where he's like, monkey business on a sunny afternoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like that part. I, I also like the part where he goes, woody, woody, boogie, woody, woody, boogie, woody, 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 woody boogie, boogie, woogie, woo, woody, woody, boogie, woody, woody, boogie, woody, woody, boogie. In a Chinese restaurant, the time is 8.09. I love how specific that is. <laughs> the time is 8.09. <laughs> okay, so lyrics, I'd say 6 out of 10. Yeah, I, I, I'm cool with that. I think a 6 is fine. Uh, album art, it's fucking, I mean, like, a lot of people that I've talked to that were of that time and that generation have said that they recognize this album art. But I would say in terms of, like, it, like in terms of now... There's so many albums that have that where it's like, dude, jumping freeze frame, fucking text in the background. Yeah, I like his uh, holster of markers. Yeah, that's interesting. Th- that's a that's a weird touch. I have a holster of sharpies. Yeah, why is that the like, living in the background is the album title? I know. Why is there anything to do with writing? Yeah, I I I would go really low on this, yeah, man. I, I'm thinking like a two or a three. I would say I would say three. Yeah, only because it is at least eye catching. Yeah, fair enough. A three uh, is fair. So we're at we're at like a five out of ten right now. Reception, it's mixed. Back in the '80s, they were like fuck yeah. Nowadays, people are like <laughs> no. I'd say it's like a six out of ten. Yeah, I, I'll go five. So we're at we're at five and a half. Does it hold up? It goes back to the Christopher Cross and the fucking Steve Winwood thing. There's yeah. some songs that do, and the rest of it does I think I don't think it holds up. Yeah, I don't the think same it, way does. it does. Because even, you know, Tarzan Boy still gets played, but it does not hold up the same way. Like, it's popular because it was a hit and it's catchy, but, I mean, the actual sound of it. Yeah. I don't, in like, the theme song, like I was saying. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, no. Yeah, I, I would say it doesn't hold up, but I would say that there are songs that do yeah so i i I would say like we disagree on that one but we're on the same conclusion for it you know like like pull the wires i think like sounds better today than it probably did that yeah i'd say i can agree with that so i mean a five or five and a half i think is fair for like a one-hit wonder album yeah uh we'll do five and a half i'm gonna bump it up a little bit dealio dealio all right, that was Misfits on vinyl. It sure was. I was living in the background It was Baltimore. Living, living, I was living in the background this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening. We love your feedback. Email us. Yeah. DM us. Um, do whatever you want. Come do a show. Come to one of my yeah, tour dates. Come see Spencer on tour. Come see me at my day job. Anal Ooh. contusions. Da-da. Thank you for listening to this episode of Misfits on Vinyl, hosted by Spencer Streichert and me, Aaron Walsh, and of course produced by Sam Sam the Tech Man, Sam Lindsay. If you like us, please rate us, subscribe to us, share us. Our socials are Misfits on Vinyl Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to send us an email with any suggestions or criticisms, uh, we love that shit, so send it away. It's Misfits on Vinyl at gmail.com. We love you guys. Thank you.